Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers Pod. My name is Maurice Jager and I'm a photographer, speaker and the author of the book Personal Branding for Photographers. This podcast is all about learning how to improve your personal brand as a photographer. Thank you for listening today and let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Personal Branding for Photographers podcast. And today we are joined by Greg Thomason. Greg, how are you doing? Welcome on the show. Hey, thanks, Maurice. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you so much for asking. So for the people that don't know who you are, can you give us a little bit of an intro of uh, who you are, what you shoot? Sure thing. Uh, So I'm Greg Thomason. I'm a photographer just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, uh, here in the U.S. I am a headshot and portrait photographer who also does some cultural portraits um, and travel photography. Uh, so that's kind of what I do these days. Cool. So you mentioned the travel photography. I know you travel all over the world to like shoot uh, all different cultures. So what is like the what are the cool places where you go? Okay. Um, yeah, I do. I travel. I, I travel photographing cultures, and uh, I really enjoy co-leading or co-leading groups to help other photographers experience the same thing. Places I really like going. Um, India comes to mind right off. I've been to northern India a few times. The colors, the vibrancy, just the all the activity. Everywhere you turn, there's a photograph waiting to be made. Um, I love that. East Africa especially Kenya. I've been a few times and really enjoyed Kenya. While I'm not a wildlife photographer, going to Kenya, I can I can satisfy my urge to see wildlife. Um, of course, I photograph it, but I'm, I'm mediocre at best at that. Um, but then I can take time to go and photograph tribes and cultures there as well. And then another place that jumps to mind that's closer to me is Cuba, which I've only been to one time, but I have a friend who's a photographer there and he and I have talked about doing some things together and I was supposed to go in March and the pandemic put a halt to that but that's on my list for the uh, the future as soon as travel is safe again. Yeah. So you mentioned shooting corporate headshots and you're doing the travel portraits, I think, like more environmental. Uh, yes. I see there's an overlap between the way that you shoot your corporate headshot work and the way that you shoot these like locals where you travel. Like, is there yeah, a thought the- behind it or like, how do you approach that? So there is now. And it's, of course, you, you would notice that because you helped coach me and my, uh, early days of corporate headshot photography. So, um, but you're right. There is a similarity. At first, I don't think it was a conscious decision. It was just in photographing people, whether it's in the studio or on location in some, you know, other country, then the coaching overlapped and it, but it wasn't a conscious decision. And now it is because someone can look at a lot of my travel work and see the similarities. And as you know, uh, your style becomes part of who you are as a photographer and part of your brand. And so I do pay attention to that. And while the photographs of different cultures obviously have more of the environment in it to tell the story, the 
subject itself, often I, I have some of the same um, similarities because I do coach that person while I'm making their portrait. And that's going to be a difficult thing, I guess, because not everybody's English. So it's a lot of like <laughs> waving and like uh, reenact me kind of thing, like lead by example yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, um, there there's a lot of pointing and and trying to realize that if someone doesn't understand me, if I yell or talk louder, that doesn't help. I instead I use translators, but I want a connection between my subject and me. So um, one thing I learned as a headshot photographer is you've got to let your guard down and you, you've got to not be afraid of making a fool of yourself. And I do that to create a bond between my subject and me when we can't speak the same language. I might act something out or learn some words in uh, in the language of the person I'm shooting. And, and of course, I'm not going to be great at pronouncing them. And it usually endears that subject to me knowing that I'm trying and then we get a good laugh out of it and uh, which relaxes both of us and and we can make some portraits. Yeah. So how did you come up with like shooting people uh, overseas and like traveling all like was that something that you always did or did you like team up with somebody that sparked a fuse or like how did that came about? Yeah, so my travel I um as I've always I say I've always I've enjoyed travel as since I became um, financially able to. So, you know, as a kid and as a, as a young adult, I didn't travel that much other than I was in the Navy, which I got some travel out of that. Um, and then I went into federal law enforcement. I was with the FBI. And with the FBI, I, I got some travel. And the first time I went to Kenya was after the bombings there um, in East Africa, in Kenya and Tanzania. And I fell in love with Africa. And that sparked my travel bug. So I personally traveled on vacation whenever I could. And then there was a photographer as I was looking at my future of becoming a professional. Hopefully one day I found a photographer, uh, Piper McKay, and she was on her journey from working in the clothing in industry to becoming a full-time wildlife and tribal photographer, photographer, excuse me. And so I followed her journey. And then it happened one time that, that she had a trip to, um, let's see, the first trip I took with her was to India and a couple of people had canceled. So my wife and I jumped on that. I met her. I saw her style matched with mine, which a lot of that is photography trips should be an experience and, and getting your photograph made should be an experience, not just a technical uh, chance to you know push the shutter and have a technically good photograph. You should have an experience that you remember. That matched with what I believe. And so she and I have teamed up and I co-lead or lead some trips with her as well. And uh, I enjoy showing other photographers the joy of photographing other cultures and getting to learn about those other cultures while you're making the photograph. Yeah. And I guess like traveling abroad that uh, brings in some challenges, like with like getting the gear over and like since you're shooting portraits, you want to bring some lights i guess and some gear like how do you approach that like what is a good pro tip to like get all that stuff uh, over there yeah um very good question because a lot of photographers um 
when they decide they want to take a trip, whether it's uh, a trip they've paid for to be with other photographers or, you know, it's a vacation, it, the decision comes on what do I take and how much. And so, excuse me, for me, because of where I travel, I have to be able to carry everything. Um, I'm I'm not loading up like a, a Big Cat Diary or, or some BBC show. I'm I have a backpack. I make sure everything fits in it. So that takes my lighting down to a couple of speed lights and some uh some modifiers. And um and then you have to look at where you're traveling at what the conditions might be. East Africa and India both. Um where I go in India, northern India and then uh towards the Thar Desert, you're looking at a lot of dust both there and in Kenya. So you have to be aware of how to maintain your gear and how to protect it. Um, and then, as you know, I photographed um, the Holy Festival, which is in India, and it's the celebration where colors and paint and dye is thrown everywhere, and that that'll trash your camera quickly. So, um, so what you do you do to protect to what your camera? Yeah. So, in for from dust, I just clean it constantly, and I use Pro Gear, which is sealed, you know, weather sealed, and um, do all the things you're taught to do. You know, I clean off around the lens and, and turn off the camera when I'm changing lenses and that kind of thing. But then for something like Holy, I put my camera in a bag. I decide what lens I'm going to need, put it on the camera, put it in a bag, seal that bag around my hand. And now my hand, <laughs> I have a club on the end of my hand. I've, I've my camera's there. And for the whole day, um, it's sealed with, with duct tape or gaffer's tape on my hand. And that's, uh, and I, and I, for, for holy, I put a, um, filter, just a UV filter to protect my lens because each day I end up throwing away a filter. Wow. Wow. So you're burning through gear as well. That, like, prim- yeah, like the filters the, and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, but for the cost of the trip and, and the images that I'm going to get that, that's a minor cost. Yeah. You mentioned like growing up, not traveling much, um, but were you already into photography, like growing up or in your past career or did that happen later? Like when did you decide to like actually become? A- yeah. So for me, uh, I was introduced to photography from my dad. He, um, he was a serious hobbyist. Um, and so I guess I started taking it seriously in high school, which for me was many years ago. Uh, I had a dark room in our spare bathroom and, uh, I usually, uh, shot black and white, but we did have a color dark room as well. And then in my years in the Navy, again, film was, was your option and, I didn't have the money to shoot a ton of film, so I shot when I could, but not that much. And then later on, I got back into photography and um, shot, shot film. So I've, I have, while I've only been a full-time pro now for a handful of years, I've been into photography for a long time. And I, I see a difference. You know, the photographers that I grew up looking at often had a camera in their hand since they were in the, uh, had a, they were kids you know since a young age and now with digital people can learn so much quicker i see photographers that just blow my mind and find out they've only been shooting for a few years but i guess the journey for me was more like the old school journey that you photograph for years and then trans that 
transferred over to your pro stuff. Whereas younger guys now, it's just a different world. I, I feel, I know you and I have talked before and I've laughed that I'm just a dinosaur and I've, I feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Like I never shot film. Like I have so many wow. uh, film, uh, like uh, old school cameras in my studio. Like people hand me shit when they like clean out their attics <laughs> and stuff. And I never shot any of them. So like I have all the Instamatics <laughs> and the, the the rolly flexes and like all of these like stuff i never touched it like i have no clue how to actually operate one of these things like i've been fully digital like my whole photography career so it's like i don't know like that stuff like blows my mind like i have no idea how to develop film like never done it i have these like uh the the canisters for the developing and all that stuff just as like Mm -hmm. uh decor if you will yep i don't know what to do with them (laughs) so it's like like i I always like shot stuff and then like pull it into lightroom or capture one or photoshop and like did something and it sucked but end of the day like i didn't (laughs) have to like um, get into the whole fumes and all the different paths and stuff and hanging shit on a washing line or like whatever like i never done that like i have no idea you obviously know yeah you obviously know what it's like just described it very well it's uh it's smelly you hang the photos up to dry after you've put them in the stop bath and washed them um and it, it it doesn't shock me anymore, but just a handful of years ago, it would shock me when I would hear professional photographers like yourself that said, yeah, I don't know anything about how to do this film stuff. Um, now we're, you know, we digital's been around long enough, but uh, it, it, it used to amaze me that people had no idea what how to do film. And, and I got to say, though, I'm glad I started on film. It, it kind of taught me to take your time and make sure you have the shot, which really plays into my commercial headshot work so that I'm not editing, you know, a hundred photos of almost the exact same expression. Mm-hmm. So I'll take my time because I'm used to every shot used to cost, you know, a dollar. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, uh, I have a photographer friend who always tells me like you shoot, like you're shooting for film because I don't shoot a lot. Like somebody's in the studio for an hour. I probably have like 50 raw stops. So it's like yep. very like slow shooting. Really? Like if I don't like what I see, I don't press and break. Right. Yep. And in this day and age, it's like, I don't want to like waste the storage on stuff that I'm probably not going <laughs> to use because these files can go huge. Oh yeah. And like I, that, that little comparison when he said like you're shooting for films like dude i never shot film <laughs> like i have no idea what you're talking about but i'll take it <laughs> it's like so funny yeah that you know in in the film days uh, you were aware that everything cost and now with digital and and we're talking like digitals you know i hear i'm i sound i'm obviously am a dinosaur because i'm talking like digital something new it's been quite some time but it's great uh digital you've got a delete button and and while storage does cost as you mentioned, and it's getting cheaper every day. But if you have files that are taking up too much space and you're never going to use them, you can just delete them. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, it's a whole new world out there. Yep. <laughs> Me, so, go ahead. No, I was going to ask, like, okay, like you're shooting a lot of different things, like the traveling, the corporate work, the 
uh, environmental or the like the portraits that I see in that you shoot like uh, some like uh, a woman on a couch like something like more uh, portraity um, mm-hmm. so what is like what do you want to achieve with the work when you create it like what's your goal for your work my goal if it if I'm shooting and I'm not hired by somebody is to make myself happy and create something that I can be proud of having done. Now, of course, a lot of times I'm paid by a client. So my goal is to make the client happy first and then for me to satisfy my need second. But I I always make sure I, I have the opportunity to do something for myself. I'll get the shot the client needs and then I, I might something else. Now, where I want it to go, um, as as we've discussed, commercial work, um, I want to create work that companies or individuals, you know, whether they're in sales or they're the boss or whoever they are, can look at my work and say, that's clean, that's fresh, I want something like that. So I, I'm creating for myself, but I'm aware of hope, hopefully my style will, will speak to my clients and my future clients. Mm-hmm. And my portrait work, I add a little more creativity to it, um, more editorial-like and um, doing some magazine stuff. Would that be out of the realm of what I'd want to do? No, not at all. Um, I would love to do more of that. And then the travel I just want to keep traveling and and it's really the same goal. I want to create for myself, but I want if I create and I'm happy with the image I've created and it speaks to someone else, that's the person that I want for my client. So I keep my style as as we both know, you know, your style is who you are and you can't speak to everybody. But the people that it that it resonates with, those are, are my future clients. So I keep I do keep that in mind. So how do you get the majority? These days, um, most of my clients um, find me on the web or um, have a recommendation by somebody I've shot. Um, when I'm shooting, I'm not just pressing the button and making sure we get a technically nice photograph. I, I want to make it an experience. And so when a client comes over, that client is my boss for an hour, two hours, or, or even more if it's a long shoot. And I pride myself that, that it's enjoyable because, as you know, you know, a lot of people that need headshots, it's because their company needs it and they don't want to be in front. So I I like to make it a a fun experience. And so that those clients then recommend me to other people. And uh, and that's where most of my recommendation and some, you know, people that Google search me or see my work out. Okay. So when people like you, obviously, like when you post social right blurb message or underneath the image, like, Mm -hmm. uh, do you take into account the messaging um, and gear that to the audience that you want to reach? Or is that just like, whatever comes to mind? Is there a a thought that I probably in speaking to you, I really should, uh, should pay more attention to the message. Um, I kind of think the photograph is the message. And so often I'm just introducing the photograph by the person, you know, naming who is in it or telling, I might tell a little bit of if it needs to be, let's say it's a portrait and it's not uh, just a headshot, I may tell a little bit about it. Um, I could I could probably uh, use some of your coaching on messaging, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think there's like value in like the other podcast episodes for like the people that are listening and like 
we had I had some other guests that had real cool ideas about it. So mm-hmm. there's that. Um, but when you say like uh, I'm just like mentioning the people, like do you tag them in the shot and uh, so it pops up on their feeds? And does that help, or are you not doing any of that? Like, how does it look? Practical? Yeah, I so I'll I'll definitely tag whoever I, is in the shot for a couple reasons. You know, they're in the shot, so I want them to know that I'm I'm putting their picture out there. And then, of course, if it gets shared, more people are going to go look at it, and more eyes on my work make more potential clients. Um, so I, I always tag the person. Um, and you know that that lets them know and uh, lets other people see it. But I'm not a huge. I guess I'm not one. I'm not known as an influencer. I don't have you know thousands of followers. But but the more people that see your photos, obviously, the more people that you can potentially get in front of your camera. Yeah. So are you actually like uh, consciously? like building your person or are you just creating awesome work and leverage that? You know, I'm paying more attention now to my brand than I did when I started. Um, I believe creating the work and giving your clients the experience is part of creating your brand. Um, and, and probably the most important part, the, your client is the hero of your story, not, not the photographer. I'm there to help the client achieve what he or she needs and wants. And so my brand is you can, if somebody says, you know, what do you get out of working with Greg? Then my brand is to guide my client to achieve what they need. Um, keeping that in mind. So that's creating the work. And then the message behind it comes from my website. When you go to it, if you're looking at hiring me, it being clear and concise on what to expect when you work with me, I believe is important. After that, I I need to I need to work on it from the messaging branding standpoint after those things. But I believe that the those are the bones that I'm gonna build the rest of my brand on. And it, as you know, it's it's always as a photographer, as an entrepreneur, it's always a learning and building process. We're never satisfied or we're ne- we've never achieved all we need. Constant work to adapt and move forward. And like I always like say, I have this like saying thing or like a quote, like um, the sum of all your past clients' experiences is your reputation and thus your brand. And that's exactly right. And, and that, <laughs> Maurice, you just said in, you know, in two sentences what I babbled through. But that's true. It, um, my brand is to provide my clients what they need and to help them get there in the easiest way possible. And so you're right. All of my past clients make up who I am and how I work with future clients. So uh, now like a little like stepping back. Thing, like the mm-hmm. stuff that you learned in the Navy and in uh, uh, federal government jobs, like all these things that you learned over years, um, do you have something that you applied data that you learned back then? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, first of all, as a headshot photographer, then our work depends on our connection with our subject. We're not documenting news. We're not shooting fashion. We're trying to bring out someone's personality. So that involves opening up ourselves 
And all of our past experiences and my past experiences in the Navy and then in the FBI make who I am today. And hopefully that person, when I let my guard down and my client and we're talking, getting to know each other, that's all of who I am today. Now, specifically, how how does that, how did those experiences help me now? Um, years in the FBI, having empathy with others. Um, I interviewed, you know, thousand people. And being able to listen to their story, pay attention, have empathy for where they are, all of that leads to a better connection with your subject. And whether I am speaking their language, it's in the studio here, or whether it's overseas, being able to get that connection creates the uh, the images that I like to make. So could you say something about like what do you like there's obviously strategy attack how next that you can you yeah. just like give a like i don't know two quick tips on how to like <laughs> do a little like get that connection or get people to trust you like yeah so the first trip uh, i'm sorry the first tip i would say is universal whether you're shooting in the studio or like or you're like me and you're shooting somebody that doesn't speak your language. And and that's to um, focus on the person and realize it's not about you, the photographer. So when the person comes into the studio, for instance, I am not, they've already chosen. I don't have to say, I've been a photographer for this many years and I've won this award and I've worked with these people. It's not about me. So take a take a breath. Realize that your subjects already picked you. You don't have to sell yourself and let your subject tell you about them. You want to listen to their story. And then by listening to their story, it will help you then in things you might want to talk about before or during the session itself. The, uh, the other tip. So, so first is to listen and, and you're not the, you're not the subject. They are. And the second is do something that shows your humanity. So when I'm photographing another Other culture, especially if I'm having to use translators. And there have been, let's say, there's been at least once that I had to use two translators just to get to a common language. But learn a little bit about the culture you're going to photograph. And again, this comes back to empathy and back to realizing you're not the most important piece of making this photograph your subject is. So learn a few words. Language, think about it. If you're in your country, whether it's the, the Netherlands or here in the U.S. or wherever, If somebody comes and tries to speak your language, in your mind, you immediately believe they care about me more than somebody that does, you know? Mm -hmm. So my tip would be learn learn a few words and use it. Hey, you know, hello, my name is, may I take your photograph? Yeah. Learn it in the language of where you're going. Um, one good story real quick on that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, doing headshots, you, you want to relax your subject. Often we make jokes, we... We, we act foolish ourselves to get them to laugh and to relax. Well, I do the same thing overseas. I was shooting the Maasai in Kenya, and I had this proud Maasai warrior, and he had his traditional uh, blanket on. He had a spear, and I had learned a few words. So and in his language, I walked up to him. May I take your photograph? And he, 
he said, of course. And he spoke English, but I wanted to say it in Messiah to show that I cared. And I said, you look like a lion. And he puffed up. He looked so proud. And I took the picture and I pretended to look at it on the back of my camera. It was a great picture, but it was what a thousand other people get every time they photograph a Messiah warrior as well. So I looked at the back of my camera and I went, oh no, you look like a warthog. And he just cracked up. Now I've got a couple of pictures of this, you know, brave Messiah warrior just laugh. And after that, the whole, all the, the young men that I was photographing just took me in. And, and I ended up walking away from that exchange with my own Messiah name. Uh, they had fun with me and asked if they could name me. I said, sure. But, you know, a great experience for him and for me. And we're still in contact on Facebook. Really? Do, <laughs> yeah. do Messiah people have Facebook these days? <laughs> like, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they're, the young men are going to university or they have jobs um, outside of herding. So where we were was about the, the park we were photographing animals in was just a few miles where they're their village was and so a couple of them work at the hotel mm -hmm. so when they're at the hotel they're you know they can get on. so do you also like get out of your path uh going out of the name like the public sector do you use your past very way trackable from your previous career or industry if i do um I've been out of the Navy for so long that I don't still have contacts there. But um, where I'm located in Middle Tennessee is just south of, of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, where uh, there's a very large Army base up in, in Clarksville and right over the line in Kentucky, um, Fort Campbell. So I go up and I have been a guest speaker at a course up there that is getting service members ready to um, transition into the civilian world. And I, I talk about my experience. And through that, I have met some people that have become clients. And then I also, because of that uh, past, having worked for the government for 20, well, including my Navy time, 32 years, I do offer a government uh, discount. And I don't know if that's why anybody's come to me, but it does, it does help somebody transitioning from government to civilian and these days your calling card is your headshot um you know with linkedin and all the elect electronic um social media and electronic uh, uh presence that we yeah. have you know your headshot kind of puts a, a face to the name and so um people come to me for that and i do have some government but you know I, it's not that's not a huge part of of my clients but it it's just one more part of me that can relate to those people that are transitioning and like i guess your idea behind it is to help all transition to the civilian world if uh, not yeah, necessarily I, like a marketing thing it's more of like i i know who are like i've lived that life me uh, give you a leg up and help you out right that's that's exactly it i have uh, i've been there i know what it's like um, if I can offer you a few words of advice, great. And if I can help you with this photo, um, let me let me start you on your journey. Same, just like you said. Yeah. Do you have? Do you mention that on your website that you were uh, like governmental work or not at all? You know, I'd have to look. I know it's been there, and I'm rewriting some content. Um, but yes, I I do say that. 
there was a trip I took when I was still working with the FBI. I was lucky enough to get to take a trip down to Antarctica, and uh, it was one of the National Geographic uh, trips. And while down there, I met um, a couple of National Geographic photographers who have become friends and, and were in contact. And I was talking and I was saying, should I say when telling people or when I build my website, what I used to do or what, you know, at the time I still was an agent. What should I mention that or not? And both of them were like, of course, that's part of who you are. It, it, for those that would find that interesting, it, it's going to break the ice and why hide it? So I've taken that, that approach. And, uh, and yeah, I, I say, this is who I am and this is what I used to do. So you pretty much bridge your past career and career and use it. For yeah, pretty much. And, you know, I think back to when I met you in New York, that it definitely broke the ice with us. You uh, you had come to New York and and uh, we met there and, and it gave us something to talk about. Yeah, but I was like a dumb European that will only see <laughs> like FBI or like agents in movies. So like... Me actually meeting one in the flesh was like what the fuck these people actually exist <laughs> so <laughs> like, that was pretty cool and, but, like, and, and hopefully i didn't lay you down <laughs> no, no, no no well i didn't get arrested i didn't got into a black side or anything and like whatever so, yeah, that's right. so like it was all fun and giggles but, uh, but like that was like a funny thing for me personally, you know, it's like, cause like, um, you, you see the movies, you see all these people and like, then like meeting one in the flash, that was like definitely the icebreaker. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, so why hide? And I was, uh, I'm, I'm out of that, that world. And I was in, in law enforcement. I wasn't doing some of the stuff you see in the movies. I was doing the real law enforcement stuff. And so, uh, I I'm proud of, of what I used to do and I, I'm proud of what I do now. So it's a, as you say, it's a good icebreaker sometimes. Yeah, and come to think about it, you were an FBI agent in Ozark. <laughs> you were the, you were the like the amazing uh, kitchen cabinet opening individual. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, one of the one of the actors that I uh, did his headshot for has become a friend of mine and, and lives in Atlanta and sent me a, uh, a a casting call and they needed people who had played FBI agents. I've never acted so i ran upstairs put on a suit and got in front of my flex kit and did a, uh, a headshot and a three-quarter shot and sent it in and i had to to tell the the uh, casting director my experience so i said i have no acting experience but i was an fbi agent for 26 years and next thing i know Three days later, I was uh, on the set of Ozark, and I got to see what people talk about all the time. When you're an extra and you're there and you're filming all day long, and I was on the screen for about two seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually specifically mentioned, like, I'm here. And it's just like, I think you sent, yeah. the, you shared the screenshot. I was like watching the show. I was like, oh, there he is. <laughs> Yeah, funny. so so if anybody wants to see me in action, it's season two, episode four, and I'm opening the kitchen cabinet. <laughs> yeah, all the way in the end of the episode, I think. Like, yeah, uh, really on the back end of the episode. And like, yep. since since you lived through that uh, experience of like um, being an extra or like just like being on a on a, a a film set or a series set or like whatever we want to call it, like, do you yeah. shoot actors in Nashville? I do. Um, most of my work is is corporate work, but I I've got uh, a segment of my work is actors. Um, 
I just had a great time shooting an actor um, last Thursday. We're we're talking on a Tuesday, so a few days ago. Um, and I love she because you can, you know, especially a, an actor who's confident, you just give them a word and they run with it. Their expression changes. It, it's always a fun time. So you being on set with Ozark, did that give you a new perspective on what people need with their photography? You know, I, I don't know if that did, but it gave me an appreciation of what especially an up-and-coming actor has to go through. Um, I, you know, I was, I was an extra one one day for eight hours but just seeing the life of an extra isn't easy and and people trying to break into it i understand how difficult it is and so i guess doing being on set for a day did tell me um how much they go through and how important that first impression which you know it's become almost cliche that you know you make your first impression in less than in less than a second and yeah your photograph's going to do that. That's almost cliche, but to to have a, a strong headshot with a good expression that will catch the eye of somebody, a casting director who's looking at, you know, hundreds of photographs, that's important. And you're, as an actor, especially early on, I realize it, it's never an easy job, but But certainly trying to break into it's not. So uh, I want to help give whatever advantage I can. So just to like, this is the home stretch. Uh, what is okay. the most valuable piece of advice that you want to share? Wow. About what? <laughs> about <laughs> anything you learned in photography, how you position yourself. Uh, like what is the most valuable, like what makes a difference? For what me, you do? I believe, yeah, I think um, learn from others and the, for a up and coming new photographer, I can't stress enough. Find a mentor, find more than one mentor. And while you don't want to try to become that mentor, of course, when you first start, you may copy their style, but then let it become um, by me meeting you through Peter Hurley's headshot crew. You're you're coaching in my early days. Um, you know, you and I spoke one or two times a week and that coaching probably accelerated my trajectory into becoming a pro headshot photographer by at least a year if not in in just the us working together for a couple of months oh yeah it's i mean well deserved because you know i had learned who peter was i was part of the headshot crew i wanted to become one of his associate photographers and for those that aren't part of the headshot crew that are listening then when you do that you have to have your portfolio reviewed by Peter Hurley and he reviewed mine and tore it apart and right after that happened you and I got on the phone and started correcting it and just a couple of weeks later it was corrected and I became an associate and that started me on my my trip today so find somebody that is experienced can help you and also be aware that your mentor doesn't have to be exactly the kind of photographer you are or you want to be um that helped but other photographers can can tell you about their their travel to get to where they are and some of that may may resonate as well so don't be afraid to ask for help and to find a mentor and one you can trust and appreciate and follow their advice. That's And we're actually going to host the Personal Brand Virtual Summit on January 22nd with leading experts in each niche, the photography and talking about their mm -hmm. journey. So that's going to be very cool and not a mentor, but you'll get 
a, a lot of like insights of like how these people made it to the top of the industry. And I think that's like really cool to learn. Like there's not a lot of photographers share that. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear. Um, I I know some of the names you're, you're talking about and I can't wait to hear what they have to say. Yeah. Early on when I knew I wanted to be a photographer, uh, wildlife, I love wildlife. And so the first photographers that influenced me were wildlife photographers. But some of that influence has carried over and some of their stories led me on my journey. And I, so I think uh, it's always great to hear from other genre uh, experts and how they got there. Yeah. So what are you struggling with today? Oh, gosh. Um, personally, the the pandemic shut me down for a couple of months and um, getting the motivation going again. I'll, uh, you know, I'll open it up to, to everybody listening that sometimes motivation is is what I'm I'm struggling with. And when that happens, the cure for me is to get somebody in front of my camera. So um, I do some personal project to work on that that motivation. But um that's a little bit of a struggle, um, especially coming out of these strange times and adapting like we're all having to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, but you know, to be successful, you've got to recognize what your struggles are and then address them. And, and hopefully I'm, I'm doing that. Since you mentioned the work successful, when are you successful? Wow. <laughs> Good question. I know. I, I, <laughs> I'm successful when I have made an image that I am happy with. And notice I'm successful, but I have not become a set. So my next image is always the image that I want to be my best image. But I feel successful when I have accomplished my inner goal. And that success is reflected to me when my client feels the same way. And when we take it to a higher level you're shooting the clients you're doing all the work when are you a successful photographer gosh uh me personally or yeah or you personally when... i'm talking to you like i don't care yeah, about him so <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i again i'm a i'm a successful photographer when my client have when they let me know that i help them accomplish what they need. So what are your goals? My goals are to continue this journey to become more more accomplished as a photographer and have other photographers uh, admire my work. That always is. I mean, we've got an ego, all of us do. And, and I really... Part of mine is not having, uh, I, of course, I want people to know who I am. But when I have those photographers I respect, you know, you being one of them tell me, hey, I really like this photograph you've done or I like the the direction your portraits are going. I really like that. That helps. And then, of course, there's always a financial side. After all, this is my my new career, newer career, yeah. at least. So from the financial side, I want to be able to uh, pay for pay. You know, I, I need to make enough money that I don't have to look for a new job. <laughs> so and I, I am doing that. So I want to keep doing. So do you set your goals? Do you have like, uh, I don't know, post-its on the wall or like a document with your goals? Or is that like all like just embedded in yourself? Like, how do you approach that? So <clears throat> excuse me. So I do have like my financial goals. I know what they are. And I reevaluate those uh, each year at tax time. Don't we all? So long. Yeah. <laughs> so long term, <laughs> by doing my taxes, it, it certainly 
shows what I've spent and what I've made and and I can uh, change my long term, my annual goals at that time. Now, I do revisit those like, again, the pandemic and the shutdown I went through here. Then I had to adjust my goals on, on what I need to do each month to meet my annual goals. So those I have written down in uh, in my little business journal I have. And then my creative goals, I also write in there. But you, you mentioned post-it notes. I've got them all over my desk. So I might be talking on the phone with someone and they say something and it it sparks an idea and I'll, I'll write it on a post-it note and I'll sit on my desk for a while until a better one comes along and replaces it. And those become my personal projects. So where do you want people to learn more about? You? So uh, on Instagram, you can see some of my commercial work and my, uh, well, also commercial work, but my portraits, which are a little bit more creative than headshots. And that's Greg Thomason on Instagram. Uh, if you want to see my website and some of my work there, or if someone needs a headshot photographer in Middle Tennessee, then go to gregthomason.com. And those are the two big places to find me. If you're, I know most of, most, if not all of your listeners for the podcast are going to be photographers. If you are interested in going to see other cultures and have a photographer put you in a position to both experience the culture and photograph it, then certainly take a look at my website on the travel stuff or uh, shoot me an email at greg at gregthomason.com. So much for being part of Thank you, Maurice. I've enjoyed it and uh, always enjoy talking to you. And that's it for today. But before we part ways, let me invite you to my personal branding for photographers community on Facebook. The group has already around 700 photographers who want to learn everything about improving their personal brand. Make sure to add yourself by going to mauricejager.com forward slash Facebook or subscribe to my podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you for listening and I'll see you on Facebook or you'll hear from me in the next episode. Enjoy your day. Talk soon. Bye.